Yes, welcome to No Ideas Original featuring Shannon, the good brother, Mr. Rob and Zane. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing today? Peace, peace, peace. Yo, we got a, I think we got a really good show lined up today. But before we get into the rundown for what we're going to be talking about on today's show, a couple of things I want to say. One, uh, Monday is Zane's birthday. Say word. going to be Zane's Sunday. Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Zane's 25th birthday for what, the 20th time? Babyface Spencer. That makes a lot of sense, brother. I'll talk about that behind the scenes. Sunday is Zane's birthday, so Zane, you know what? You get in there, you have a good time, celebrate. I send Zane a bottle. He said he drank the whole bottle in one day. How, uh, so what's your numbers, bro? In one hour, in one hour, right? You said? Less than an hour. I was playing Madden, man. Playing Madden, kicking ass, and... That damn like I never I never played Madden so good when I when I was sipping that 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 Bel Air. <laughs> Yo, Rob, I said Rob, I sent him um, one of the gold bottle Bel Airs, the joints we used to drink. Oh yeah, 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 it, it was it, nice. It, yeah, that was it, nice. It, yeah, yeah. We, me and Shot think one of our first shows we sit there. I think we had a great show that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yo, so there you go. The, the best potting and the best uh, Madden game playing. It's done I mean, yo, because the thing about it, right? I have I always picked the Dallas Cowboys, and I was throwing up like eighty points for forty, man. Ah, you was cheating. You was cheating. You was cheating. <laughs> so, 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 let's know, brother. How old are you, brother? I'll be forty-three. God bless you, man. Forty-three. God, God bless you, man. Yeah. That that's 43. a hard forty-three. Anybody that's in their forties know you've made it. If you got here, we've been yeah. through a whole lot, man. Yeah, you know, but I still, yeah. I still keep it. I still keep it, baby face fence. But yo, I see. I see. I, I like my. I like my joints. We know that's yeah. that's wisdom. Hey, we you know what though? I'm gonna I'm grow my beard back because a lot of a lot of ladies were saying that keep it keep it salt and pepper. So I said I'm gonna keep the salt and pepper. Yeah, you're looking like an adolescent right now. Yo, man. Know, as, man. Much, yeah. as much as you talk behind the scenes, we what, what I've never shared with 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 you guys is that. You guys are pretty much, when Zane used to live in the Bronx, Zane lived in the same area, like right off by Gun Hill and by yeah. B-Rock. Okay. When he was in the Bronx as a kid. But Zane, Zane abandoned us and got up out of the Bronx early. Yeah, I, I left when I was like 11. No, yeah. no, no, but no, 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 no. Cause when I moved, when I moved, when I moved from Gun Hill, I lived on East 23rd Street. Okay. Okay, was, you, yeah. you, went, you went in the hood. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was there for a while, and then that's when I moved to Jersey. So okay. shout out, shout out, shout out to the Bronx, man. Shout yes, out to sir. New York. I, I learned, like, even though I, I left when I was like 11, those are some of the greatest times of my life. And then when I moved to Jersey, because because for real, when I lived in when I lived in the Bronx, it was nothing but uh, like uh, Spanish or Latin, I should say, and blacks. So when I moved to Jersey, it was like a culture shock. I and bet. then when I moved to Jersey, like, you know, my uh, cousin Shanam would tell you, like, when I moved to Jersey, I just, I started mingling with, like, uh, Italian, Italian brothers and sisters and mm. stuff like that. So, like, still to this day, a lot of my good friends are, you know, from Italians and, and, and Irish and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, have, have, a, have a real strong brotherhood. So, yeah. at the end of the day, it was like, um, you know, Shanam used to come out there with, his younger brother and his older brother, and we used to have good times, man. But I used to also still go out to the Bronx. I used to go and visit Shannon and stuff like that. We used to have fun, man. I used to take you in the hood to keep you grounded. 
Right, son. Yeah, keep me grounded. Right, right, right. So, so you don't fly off nowhere, man. Keep yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't want to be looking like, uh, you know, uh, like, like, you know, looking all crazy or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they keep you grounded. And then, yo, the second thing that I want to mention before we get into it is, y'all, I want to send, you know, continue to send prayers to um to Mike Hans, who's become a friend of the show, got his kidney this week. Yo, super shout out to my brother, man. I spoke yeah. to him. I spoke to him. I've been texting him. We've been speaking and keeping in contact prior to him having surgery and after. And I'm so proud of that brother, man. He's doing well. He's sitting up. He's back. He's back in business, really. But he's from his laptop, from his phone, and yeah. you know, and he's recovering well. So shout out to you, Mike. God bless you, brother. Yeah, get well soon. And when I, when I talked to him, me and him was talking on uh, Instagram and in the DMs, and I was like, "Yo, when you come back, we gotta when you get yourself together. We gotta chat." Right. He was like, "Most deaf." Have a recovery yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Shout yeah. out my hands, man. Yeah. So all right. So here's what we got in store for today's show. We gonna talk about the Monica versus Brandy. Um, which is Monday. We're going to talk about schools reopening. We're going to touch on the Yusuf Hawkins documentary. And we're going to talk about how um, Hot 97's Patty Duke was involved with the Yusuf Hawkins tragedy as well. And then we're going to end off with the Jacob Blake shooting in Wisconsin. So I want to pose to you guys first, you know, in terms of this, this whole Brandy versus Monica, thing you know is it something that you're excited for and who do you have who are you going with but who do i have honestly i'm going with monica okay i'm going with monica and i know brandy brandy's the household name you know she did moesha you know these things but monica monica been putting in work for a long time she got Mm -hmm. Just, just from a numbers perspective, and just to put it out there, she got more Grammys. She even got more Grammy nominees. This girl has been putting in work. Her top, her, her top ten charts have been reigning from the '90s straight through mm-hmm. to 2010. Now, Brandy has about seven top tens only. So that tells you that's like, yo, where, where, where is this gonna go, man? And I, and I think honestly, and that, and that best song was the boy's mind. So mm-hmm. I'm a roll with Monica. I think Monica has a, a, a deeper catalog. I know Brandy, my wife probably be saying, nah, Brandy got some joints, but <laughs> Mon- Monica got some joints, man. I- I'm not gonna sleep on Monica. So I'm going with Monica on this one. Who you guys ain't in Washington? Well, I would say, uh, well, first of all, that was a great, that was a great uh, uh, segment right there as far as for you. As far as what you were saying, Rob, I, I do I do agree with a lot of what you were saying, but also you gotta look into that. Uh, Brandy came out in 1994 was her first the first uh, album, and overall Brandy has 40 million uh, records sold worldwide. Now Monica came out in 1995, but she has 30 roughly 30 million records sold worldwide. Now, the one advantage that I feel that Brandy has is that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Rob, she has Moesha. Yes, sir. Like that. So, yes, so sir. you have, so, so being that she, she had a show, she's going to have, a, uh, I think, a broader audience. And even she though already she has that. Up, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no I'm just saying, yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's going to have a broader audience. So, man, when it comes down to, like you said, with the Grammys and stuff, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a strong element, a strong factor. But you got to look at it, too. Like, a lot of a lot of the um, 
quality, whether rappers or R&B artists, most of the dopest ones never received Grammys or, 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 or like received Grammy nominations. So I think with that, it entails like the actual, uh, you know, whatever company that's behind the Grammys and all these other award shows, you got to look at the analytics of that and the uh, and the actual uh, 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 power behind that. But then you also got to look at like nowadays, back then, they didn't have it to where you can do like a choice awards where like fans can come in and they can go online and, and, and vote and all that other stuff. Now, if you, yeah, do, if, you, if, you, if you trace way back then, it might have been the where Brandy had more. You see what I'm saying? As far as, as far as nominations for Grammys or any other award assembly, and, 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 you know, et cetera. But well, at the date, end of the day, huh? To date, to date. Today, Brandy, yeah. Brandy has 12 nominations where Monica has yeah. 42 nominations. Damn. I'm going to go with this. So Monica kicking her ass. I'm going to go with this. This is, this is my pick. I'm going to go yeah. with Monica and I'm going to go with Monica in a very close battle. And okay. my rationale for it is different than, you know, I know you guys delve into the, analytic, the analytics of it. Um, my rationale behind it is that I've had within the last two years the opportunity to attend a Brandy concert and a Monica mm, concert, and I see the reception nice. to the to to the crowd. Now, here's the thing: that when you go see these artists from the '90s perform, a lot of their new material doesn't hit, and Correct. some of them are that. So what they do is they usually do a medley of all their old popular material. That usually gives me an opportunity to really sit back, reflect, and think about the catalog. Like, oh, they had this one, they had that one. Right. And from doing that, like I noticed, Brandy's Brandy's set had a lot of memorable songs, you know, from the '90s. Once mm-hmm. you started venturing into like the early 2000s, to me, Brandy's run tapered off. What makes it yeah. hard for people to really be able to judge this accurately is because. There's no way of denying that Brandy's celebrity is bigger than Monica's because she had the movie. Um, right. she's, had, you know, she's had the acting roles. She had the TV show. I think at one point, wasn't she like a cover girl, a Revlon spokesperson? Or- cover girl. And, show. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and indirectly, even the situation her brother's gotten into, it always tags yeah. her name and like, that's Brandy's brother. Yeah. So, so her, celebrity, her celebrity is bigger. So when I listen to Brandy's catalog, it was a good it was a good run, and she performed for maybe like maybe it was like 30, 40 minutes, because like I said, they do medleys. Right. With Monica, it was two separate concerts too. They weren't on the same bill. When Monica performed, when I went to see Monica live, Monica had string after song after hit after hit after hit after hit mm-hmm. after hit. And I was like, damn, like I didn't really remember that Monica did these records. Now remember. The key to me, the verses, is not usually about who has more songs or who has the better songs. A lot of times it's about arrangement. And from that demonstration of seeing who whoever arranged Brandy's songs to perform versus how Monica's songs were arranged to perform showed me or said to me, like, I think Monica's arrangement of songs may be a little bit better. And the reason why I have it close is because you can't deny the songs that, um, that Brandy had was smash hits. Like I actually looked, I was like, just so, you know, just to make sure that we certain, like she had, I want to be down. She had baby, she had best friend, she had broken hearted, sitting up in my room. She was on Missing You with Tamia, Gladys Knight, and Shaka Khan. <laughs> what's the joint she did with, what's the joint she did with Mace? 
Um, top of the world. On top of the world. Top of the world. Have you ever? Almost doesn't count. You don't know me like you used to. Never say never. So she, full moon. What about us? She had a run of quite a few songs. She just dropped. She dropped her album in July. Yeah. But yeah. New one. Yeah. Monica, don't take it personal. Like this and like that. Before you walk out of my life, why I love you so much, ain't nobody. For you I will, the boy is mine, the first night, angel of mine. All eyes are so gone, you should have known better. Every time the beat drop, a dozen rows. You see where I'm going with this? Yes, son, you got the cheat code, so you just laid out the whole verse. That right sounds, so, so that, 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 that sounds like you more for, you more for Brandy right there, cuz. No, I'm going for Monica in a close, I think Monica is gonna edge Brandy in a close battle, and I think it's gonna be an entertaining battle. I, and the other thing is that I don't know. I'm predicting. I don't think it's going to do the numbers that Jill Scott and um, Eric Badu did. And I don't know if anybody's come close to touching those numbers yet, right? What, so. what, what was their projected numbers? They did a lot. They they had over a billion impressions. I know that. Yeah, they they Dang. they they killed it. Um, it's going to be entertaining, and you know, with the development of how they brought verses along, I'm seeing that they're supposed to be in Tyler Perry Studio for it. So. The sound probably is going to be good. You know, That's we're going right. to have full good production of it and everything. So I think that'll make it that'll make it um, cool. I think people are going to tune in. But another thing I guess that I, that I, that's a little and this may be slightly off topic. I wonder what made them switch to doing verses on Monday evenings now, when before a lot of them were like, what was it like Saturday evenings? Yeah, because you got to remember over the weekend, it's just the weekend. You know, people yeah. got other things to do. People are not in the house. And the little bit of time that people can't get out to get out of the house with the being in the house all damn day or for the last four months, you know what I'm saying? They're taking their time out. They don't want to sit in the house. Now, Monday, a Monday is a controlled day. You start your week off, you're kind of getting settled for what it yeah. is. And to start your week off with some entertainment like that, a good version, some good music being played, I think that was wise for them to do it on a Monday. Yeah, good. Zane, you would say something? Uh, he basically said everything I was about to say. I, I definitely agree with what Rob said right there. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know when it was first mentioned, I think that initially Monica was opposed to doing it, but maybe mm -hmm. they probably stepped back and they looked at the analytics of it and seen the boost that artists have gotten in streams as a result of participating in it. Because after you participate in it, the next day, Apple got a playlist, Title got a playlist. <laughs> It's on YouTube for viewing consumption and all that stuff comes up. So, mm. you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just, it's a no brainer if that opportunity presents itself. It's so, been, a, um, huge, uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a huge catalyst for people to go back and reminisce and also see what new stuff they've come out with. Like I said, Brandy just dropped an album in July mm -hmm. called, called B7. I don't know what that means, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> you know, when I went to the concert, B seven might mean be be good. When Brandy was um, G the seven level of the alphabet might be be good. When Brandy was um performing, she started performing like some of her newer material, and I looked around, and it was like probably like one dude that was behind me that was singing it word for word. I was like, yo, he must be a diehard fan because nobody <laughs> else in the audience knew any of the songs. But when she sung the songs, that you know when she sung the songs, her, her song songs people was going in and they was there for it. Now, Monica, Monica didn't even attempt a new song. Everything, right. all, all her old classics. What's up, Yada? Yada entered the building. What's up? Who you going with, Kenyatta? Who you got, Monica or Brandy in the verses? 
Let's see what we got. Let's see what he see what he says. Drum roll. And you Shout know, first is good also. What's what makes the first is good is that for years it was almost like that these two were like arch enemies in the hood. You know, you know, in the hood, <laughs> we, always, in the hood we always gotta put people like we even before Nas and Jay Z was thinking about battling, we was like, yo, what about Nas versus Jay Z? Yeah. What about this person versus that person? Kenyatta says Brandy. Wrong with Brandy. Brandy? Uh, for real, Yada. All right. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair enough. And and I and I, and I like to think. That's because of her catalog and the things she's done. We talked about the movies and mm -hmm. the TV shows, and she's just been she's she's been America's child for a long while now. You know, Monica, you know, dealing with C murder and all the things she done got herself into. She's she she's more relative to the hood chick. Yeah. Brandy is the yeah. chick up the block. You know what I mean? So some of some of Brandy's luster wore off though. I don't know if you remember when she got um, she ended up having a baby and they was trying to. Pretend that her and the dude was married. Remember they had the MTV show, and then it just ended up yeah. like, nah, I ain't not married to this dude. He was yeah, she, she was married. To, she was married to this dude with the basketball dude for the NBA, right? Monica was. Monica. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Monica, right? Yeah, the dude that played play for the Lakers. I forgot his name. He could jump yeah. out the gym too, son. I used to like him. Um, was it Shannon? Sh there you go. Keep going. Shannon, Shannon Brown. Shannon Brown. Yep. Shannon Brown. Shannon Brown. That's what she was married to. Shannon Brown, but but um, remember, Brandy was with Rodney Jerkins' cousin, and she got pregnant. They had the MTV show, and they were going around and all that stuff. And you see what Kenyatta said, son. What did he say? Black Blackbird, uh, Britney Spears, and Christina Aguilera. Pretty much. Right? Yo, you see. Pretty much. We never know what happened with Brandy though, because Brandy's the whole trajectory of Brandy's career is sort of change like she uh, there was a point where she could do no wrong but i want i heard an interview from her probably a couple of years ago and she attributed like the lack of her continuing music success she said that she feels like rodney jerkins gave everybody her sound and i remember when she got with him she did have a distinctive yeah. new um sound remember when she had what about us that what yeah. about what about and then before you know it everybody jumped on him as a producer and then everybody had a similar sound so maybe that was it and it became yeah. Rod the rodney jerkins sound so. Yeah, yeah. Rodney Jergens is a very talented producer. Very, I'm very not, talented, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So right. moving on to moving on to um our next topic we had is we had to talk about school reopening, right? So, Ooh. what are you guys' thoughts on this public school reopening? Yay or nay? When we say school, we also talking about colleges. Zane, we'll start with you. Are you pro school reopen? Or are you con? Come on, it's too much. It's too much stuff going on out there. Like you know, and, and when you're dealing with numbers, numbers is always funny. So overall, we want more people to cross the, you know, uh, go to school and all that other stuff. And, and at the end of the day, if if they still saying these these COVID numbers where people are you know catching the coronavirus and all this other stuff, like okay, you should have, you know, you should prolong it. I would say to like maybe like February. The February? Why? Yeah, I would say like February. Huh? Why? Why February? Well, well, number one is that you know during the winter time when you have precipitation, you have more rain, you have more uh, snow, of course, and with the snow, the snow purifies the air. Number one. So when you have uh, like the like the purification of, of, of air, you would have less, you know. Uh, 
diseases and stuff going around that's that's that's, that's airborne number two i would say that um you just need more time they they gotta have it to where the kids and the college students uh you know do their stuff online you know see how that works because you don't want it to where you know uh, these kids are going back to school and there's no telling what the health risks are with the actual teachers like i know for all of us you know growing up we had more older teachers than, than younger teachers that's true and if and if and if covid have it to where over the age of 50 uh people are more likely to catch covid covid uh you know you might as well have it to where you know the students take several months step back do the virtual stuff for a while mm -hmm. see the analytics of that and then you come up with you know your a b and c plan from there so i would say roughly like you know right around after christmas and stuff like that and see you know see how it goes from there as well as the health reasons yeah. Right, what do you think? Man, there, there, there's, there's really, I'm, I'm on, I'm kind of on the fence because there, there's so much going on. The cons, yes, because of the safety of it. I mean, you have here in Danbury, full virtual. There's nobody going nowhere. You'll be learning from your house. But then New York is hybrid. So, you know, I have a, a sister, my sister-in-law who was a teacher in New York. She got to go to work. But at the same time, it's like, is it safe to go to work? Now let's talk about the safety of this. Let's just step, let's step, taking a couple steps back. And I think we, we've all talked about this before, probably me and you, Shah, but in March and April, people were actually dying from COVID. Body count was through the roof. Mm -hmm. Those body counts ain't like that no more. Why is that? Let's question that. You got places mm -hmm. like Maryland who went full virtual uh, places like New Orleans that are reopening just for the younger people now for the younger people we're talking about kindergarten first grade and so on and so forth mm -hmm. CDC put out a provision that states you know they want if you're going to open up your school they want to promote the behavior to reduce the spread of COVID so now you're going to have staff that are going to have to keep kids three feet six feet from each other wearing masks on top of that, you got to still maintain a healthy environment. You know when kids and they nose is running, they doing this. You know what I'm saying? And wiping it on their shirt. How do you maintain the health a healthy uh, operation while doing all of that? And then how do you prepare if a child does get sick? On your watch. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you still got to teach algebra and science. So I think, you know, doing it from home and, and finding a way and inviting children to do it because you, you gotta look at it. Today's kids, everyone is on their phone. You know what I'm saying? They're behind the screen. They're, they're, that, that's how they're learning the world anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you do it virtually, I think that's the better way. And you gotta, you gotta remember, a lot of these schools don't have the proper ventilation in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There are schools that I know when I lived in Maryland they had a, and this might be a little bit off the topic, but on the topic, they had a very bad lead situation because all of the water fountains were still the water fountains in 1940s. Mm -hmm. We see, we see Morris High School, Evander. These, these are old buildings. They yeah. don't have the ventilation system that might pick up debris in the air or to filter out certain viruses in the air. I mean, you can get that in a, in a corporate environment, but those that's not an environment for. Uh, a child to be learning and then the child is going to be thinking about that while they're in school 
They'll be looking around crazy. I don't want to vibe. We stay away from this person. Someone cough. Everyone's going to be booed. Yo, that's going to be too much. You need a controlled environment. You need a controlled and safe environment so a child can retain a lesson. And that's not going to happen if you open up school. So I, I guess I'm more con than I am pro. Yeah. I'm on a fence with it, and the reason why I'm on a fence with it is because I think there are a lot of ramifications associated with opening up the schools and not opening up the schools. And I'll start with, I think one of the things that I heard people say early on that I, it kind of fell by the wayside and I didn't think much of it is very early on, I know in New York City, one of the things that came up is people would say, well, we need for um, the schools to remain open or we need to figure out how do we have the teachers teaching because whether we like it or not school open is childcare for some parents correct right? and there was a lot of early discussion around schools being open to provide a meal for kids that weren't able to get a meal correct so if you take it to a deeper level and you think about it in order for schools to get funded and I don't know if the federal government has some new stipulation. And I'm thinking, given the fact that who we have in office, if I don't know if they would change this, but in order for schools to get funded, you got to have ass in a seat, right? That's how they get their money. And they draw down money based That's on right. how many kids they have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, to me, it's sort of like a, a trickle down effect in a sense of, if you have teachers saying that we feel unsafe to go to work and we don't want to be in a classroom, Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, so we're not going to open up the classroom, but the federal government is not going to fund teachers. Then that puts teachers in a position to potentially lose their job where they're going to start saying we don't have the funding. We have to reduce our workforce. Which so you, be, you, you being a teacher, aren't teachers backed by a union? Teachers have unions. Teachers have unions. And right now in New York City, one of the things that they're debating, the union was talking about actually staging a strike in New York City. But here's the issue. In New York City, the teachers are um, civil service employees and they have the Mitchell Law. I think, not the Mitchell, I'm sorry, it's the, I think it's the Taylor Law. The Taylor Law, which says that civil service employees aren't allowed to strike. So if they go on strike, yeah, if they go on strike, then it becomes, it becomes a bigger issue. Right. You know, they have to have, and I guess that this is probably the, the happy medium of saying that we'll do some of it um, virtually online and we'll do some in-class instruction but this is a tough call because not only do you have to take into consideration the teacher the student the parent the money associated with it like the actual funding of school all of these things that factor in to making this decision and i think sometimes when we have these discussions we only speak from the perspective of where we sit right so if we're a parent Correct. and we're a parent that we know we have to go to work we may be more inclined and more pro to be like, you know what? Open up the school. Cause I want my kid to go to school. <laughs> I want to eat breakfast. So I, I want him out my damn house. <laughs> or you know what the other thing may be also, you may be like, I want the school open because as a parent, I don't have the ability to sit in front of a computer with my, with my son and make my son focus. I'll tell you this, a lot of parents right now, that before when the teachers was picking up the phone calling saying yo joey's bad or joey did this or joey did that they're finding mm -hmm. out now firsthand how difficult it actually is probably to get joey to focus on the work and joey's a damn tyrant he don't want to listen to nobody and that's so, your yeah. fault so and, it's, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's flashing back on the parents i get you what it's always going to be though in the air with all of this is always going to be 
the safety aspect though, right? Like is all that being said worth risking and putting kids in a position where potentially they may be unsafe. Now, one of the things that's confusing to me is that they're starting with the younger kids is the thought process around that the younger kids have stronger immune systems and they'd be able to handle it. But like you said, the younger kids, those younger grades are Petri dishes for, for disease with the nose, in, the nose blowing and the touching of everything mm -hmm. and, and trying to wrangle them and curtail ki little kids to tell them to stay six feet apart from people. That's, that's going to that. be tough, man. It's going to be tough to administer the activity of children. You can't put them all in a gym, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and administer it that way. These kids, they're kids. Yeah. They're going yeah. to do what they want to do, man. So, Ken said, I could see them putting more kids in a class if it's virtual. I could see that happening too, but I also see, I'm predicting that if it goes 100% virtual, I could see teachers, teachers getting cut. Yes, you sir. Know? I can see that happening as well because and, I, the, and that's gonna be big yeah because the federal dollars if it is based on the attendance and the federal government is saying well technically you don't have the people in the seat and we know that the federal government the messaging has always been since all of this came up like no sir schools are opening we want schools open in the fall we want people back in school and you also got to think about kids that got special needs handicapped kids exactly. they, they're kids that come in with all sorts of health issues and things like this but let's 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 be let's be clear man this is this is going to be a norm this is going to be the new norm what needs to happen is we need to put provisions aside just like what i explained about this the cdc how do we keep these places clean because this this virus or whatever it is in my opinion has to do with cleanliness and the practice of cleanliness you know what i'm saying how, how do we how do we situate that if we're talking about air quality how do we get uh, uh how, how do we build something or, or get something to where the 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 hvac system is pulling out stuff out of the air that doesn't need to be there like i said when i went to the dentist they had a device right over my face that everything that shot up shot into that device mm -hmm. so it didn't go into the dentist cleaning my teeth or it didn't affect me in, in, in the same term. So now we got to think about how do we improve the air quality in these environments where we're used to being close in close proximity. And that goes for stadiums, that goes for movie theaters, anywhere that has HVAC system that is already doing the job but recirculate inside outside air, but now we got a problem now. There might be some spores getting in there to mess with you. So that I think that's, that's where we're headed. Yeah, it's it's really um it's really unfortunate though because I think that it puts it's a lot of pressure on the kids. I think it's a lot of pressure on the administrators that have to make this decision, and it's a lot of pressure put on the parents. And it's one of those situations where nobody wants to nobody wants to be wrong, and everybody wants to do what they think is is the right thing to do and it's safe. But the right. reality of it is that at the end, at the end of the day, like I think that this is such an unknown. That right. that right. is that there may be there may not be any one right answer right, decision, right there's not a right decision a good case study on this is probably going to be three or four years from now when they look at the data in terms of like the learning aptitude of kids that went through this and where they are academically versus kids that actually had the full on in-class experience right they'll probably be able to say like is it you know is it do we need to stay 100% virtual or should we be looking at actually having in-person in classes 
all the time and everything and it really is I, I just I look I feel blessed that my children now are old enough that I don't have to sit with them in front of them computers we're lucky bro doing that yeah sit with them in front of that computer doing that work you know like I, I just I couldn't imagine Zane could you imagine sitting down with one of your little ones and going through all that schoolwork with them every day on a regular basis for eight hours and no matter yeah because then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take on like all the different levels of what the teachers go through and then you gotta look at it too like from a from a from a from a, from a early morning to late night perspective the kids are in well whether preparing the kids to get to school and the kids going to school like and then you put them in the bed you you only have a, a certain a certain time a certain window of time so you actually like interacting with the kids so at the same time yeah i mean i don't i don't know how it's gonna go but like i said february or sometime like after january you know what i'm saying would be good because i mean then you gotta you know they told about vaccinations and all this other stuff got a lot of people that's not that don't right. want to get the vaccinations and so it's a multitude of different companies that's 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 coming up with these different quote-unquote serums so you never know how that's going to turn out because uh whether whatever top con uh company that's that's on the stock market you know that's 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 pushing this stuff and got these big time whales putting money behind them to, to come up with these different serums you never know how that that first trial is going to go even the second trial it might it might be the fourth or fifth trial to where you come up with an effective serum to curb mm -hmm. this situation with the, you know the uh, covid so it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's up in the air, bro. That's a really good, a good point because everybody automatically assumes when a vaccine is available that everybody's going to be receptive to taking the vaccine. Yeah, yeah Rob. But, 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 let, but let's, let's be clear too, man. Homeschooling ain't a bad thing. Now, no, for, those, for, for those parents who are working parents, they can't, you know, they can't, they have to go to work. They have to pay yeah. attention to bringing that home. But there are yeah. parents who, you know, they sit home and watch Maury at 1130. Yeah, you might have to stop that totally and pay attention to what you're really teaching your child. I think that's a plus, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah. if so, if if a parent does have the mindset, all right, I'm home. All right, now I have really have something to do. I might have to sit with Joey with some flashcards. I might have to show him how to do the <laughs> Singapore math or whatever the case is, and really understand it. Which will, in my opinion enriching a child and have a child want to learn because mm -hmm. mommy's yeah. showing me this daddy's showing this or auntie's showing me this you know what i'm saying yeah. and they get they become more engaged and i tell you because children are now become these screen kids where everything they need to learn in front of a screen but now you have yeah. your parent there with you or your cousin yeah. there with you or someone that's given a dedicating time it yeah. might change it might change the paradigm of the whole school system situation anyway let me let me say this though. let me say this because it's funny you say that rob because i think about the how school has changed since when i was in school and i was just having this conversation the other day with somebody like i remember at elementary school going to school being taught a lesson practicing that lesson and then going home and doing homework and the homework yeah. was what i learned in that lesson when i became a parent what i started to notice was that my kids would come home they would have grasped half they would have grasped half the concept of the work and then the rest of it was for you the parent to actually teach them the other half right. and then to help them with their homework 
Right. And I started to wonder what that was about. So when yeah. we were younger, class sizes were a little bit smaller. And there was there were there was probably more done by way of classroom management. Now classroom sizes have gotten much bigger. Oh. There is there's you're right, you're right about push, that. There's a big push for integration of putting, you know, kids that may have behavior issues or other type of issues in the class also, which further complicates the teacher's ability to actually thoroughly teach the lesson. So we've effectively shifted teachers from being educators to now having to play a role of a parent, a disciplinarian, and all those other things, which actually takes away from the education aspect. So right. for, for myself and my wife, you know, we, we, we're fortunate to have academic skills where we can be of a resource to our children and teach them the work right. that I've lost out in the class. I wonder for somebody that, you know, their parent may not have the academic aptitude or their parent may be a little bit older parent, right? Let's say if it's a kid in foster care and their parent is 70 years old and they send them home with some work that the parent hasn't seen and 60 and about years. Four, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's I, a learning curve for them. Yeah, and, think, and, and, and so now let's put that in context where if we're saying that it's 100% virtually and you asking a parent that's 60 some years old to sit down, log in, to this system, navigate this system, then teach the kid how to navigate the system, then work with the kid to get the assignments done. Right. You know, that it that leads to a lot. I, another, I see a lot of headache. Another another thing too is that okay, when you're in when, when you're in class, there's really no cheat sheet unless, you know, like it's just, it's it's basically one of two things. You're gonna get caught by the teacher. <laughs> or you able to finagle it to where okay you guys in cahoots and y'all sharing different information or whatever now when you at home being that everything is is you know we in that uh virtual uh, world uh, virtual world with the internet and all that other stuff that's been out for years upon years kids can go on and get the answer whether it's whether it's spelling whether it's math whether it's history they can get it and the answers are right there on 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 the internet so they don't have to you know think about or put any thought behind anything so really you can have kids graduating uh to the you know to the next grade or whatever and they ain't learned they ain't learned nothing so they doing, they doing that now with no child left. they doing me, that now with no child left behind let me, let me say yeah. this though, Dane, like um in, in my you know in my other life one of my many other lives i'm a college professor and you would think that because people who have access to the internet that they have the ability to find the answers. Being able to do good research is a skill in itself, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe think about the things that we that we want to teach kids. Like somebody was saying to me before, well, they don't even teach cursive handwriting in school anymore. What do you need to, what do you need to learn to write script for other than to sign your name? And technically you don't have to learn script to say, you could, your signature could be whatever it is. Right. right. So, so if one of the skills is actually you applying the ability to go out and research stuff, that's not necessarily a poor skill per se. You know, I get what you're saying, Zane, because there is technicalities and things like that. Like you want a person to be able to spell. But even in this day and age, there's autocorrect and spelling on phones and computers and all these other things. Right. And this is where I think we get lost as a society sometimes where we push formal education on people rather than saying that you know what 
over formal education. Like we don't even teach practical things in school. There are people who graduate from school that they don't know how to write a check, make out a money order, pay a bill. They don't know nothing about no credit. They don't know anything about the stuff that's applicable to the real world because we've become conditioned to these are the things that you, you need to learn how to be able to spell cat, rat, bat, and hat. Forget being able to, to, to actually fill out a job application. This is what you need to know, right? So maybe with this virtual stuff, maybe there'll be a shift in helping people become better researchers. And more, they- more, yeah, more, more, more computer savvy and more uh, technical, technically savvy as well. <laughs> OG Dash said, we learned virtually savvy, schoolhouse rock, <laughs> Alvin, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did, but the difference in when we was programming, we watch just watching TV. Now these kids can go anywhere on the internet and, and, and retain certain information that they don't even need to be learning. Man. And the the concept of learning over a phone or a, a tablet is much different than sitting in front of a television mm-hmm. being programmed. You know what I mean? Because now, like you said, you know what does enter mean and delete and all these other buttons we have that on the television we just turn the damn channel if you want to watch it but i i think it, it, it the shift is here let's just yeah. let's just leave it at that so plus, the, be- the best thing- go ahead Rob. the best thing that we should do is let's let's, let's find a way that we can get these that we can find a way to, to teach these children so they do retain a lesson based on society i remember Yes, I was in school and penmanship was on my report card. <laughs> for what? Right, right from right under English and math, mm-hmm. penmanship there. How you wrote, if, if you wrote cursive neatly mm-hmm. or print neatly. And because of that is because back then, uh, a, a form of communication was writing a letter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you needed to write a letter to someone, it had to be legible. Mm-hmm. So you had to have good penmanship if you want to communicate, and it was a form of communication. Now kids are texting; mm-hmm. they don't need to be writing a damn thing. Yeah, you know what I'm right. saying? So, yeah. it's, so why, it's, why are we still thinking about antiquated lessons, stuff that can't even be used? Go, go ahead, Zane. I know you was gonna say something. That's another thing too. I remember um, just learning the keyboard, man. Learning the keyboard and becoming like uh, very proficient in that. Hey, a lot of kids, they can look at the actual phone and text, but when it comes to that keyboard, mm-hmm. man, that stuff is stretched out, not vertical, it's more it's horizontal. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah typing, typing, typing was, it, it, well- That was it a was, class in Evander, I know that. <laughs> right, right. It was easy for me to conceptualize it and, and, and get good at it, but a lot of my friends, they, they was having trouble with that back then. Yes, sir, I was one of them. I didn't like to type. So here's something else to think about that was in class in school when we were young also. Remember, I remember they had like a shop class. Yeah, right? yes, sir. They yeah. had home that economics. Shop. Remember they had sir. home economics? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. they pushed the two stuff, people, two people stuff that was practical that they could use in the real world. So right, right. Again, this this is gonna be a real a real shift. I understand and I and I and like I said, I'm on the fence with the pros and cons as to whether school should open or not. I just hope that it's not a trickle down effect where as a result of it, teachers lose their jobs and they right, get right. with it. I agree. And you know what too, I was, I was looking at a study last year and maybe the two previous years to that, it was saying how the kids in China go to school all year round. 
So now we got to look at the transition of that being like whether whether Kobe gets out of hand, you might have it to where America might adopt that 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 type of, of form of education where kids are going to be going maybe an extra month or extra month and a half as far as going to school. You know yeah, what I'm look saying? at China. China's in a different industry. The reason why they teach their kids math and science is because of technology and the things that they develop and build. Let me right. tell you something. The, 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 the hard truth about America, we're last in education. Yeah. And this yeah. makes it even harder because prior yeah. to all this going, we were still last. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We don't put enough into education as far as technology or what's coming new and these different ideas of teaching and learning. I have a friend whose daughter was going from doing math problems the way we've grown up to doing and all of a sudden they went to Singapore math. Like, what? Singapore? What's Singapore got to do with this? You know what I'm saying? And it just drew people awry. Like, why can't we just teach a kid the same way we've been teaching it? Why we got to teach this new method? You know what I'm saying? You know what it is, Because China, whether whether China, whether Japan or whatever, or North Korea, South Korea, but especially China, since we're talking about China right now, China has less distractions. You don't have to worry about black versus white. You don't have to worry about all these different distractions that's going on. And they're a communist country too, brother. They can't do nothing. They got to be told what to do. Right. Right, they got to be on one accord. I'll say this. I think that we don't have a, um, we don't have a farm system. And, and when I say a farm system, I mean farm system like a sports analogy, right? So we get all of the people from China that will come over and they'll go to the Yales, the Harvards, the Princetons, and they'll become engineers, you know, but we, and we'll, we'll educate them over here because we have these Ivy League schools and stuff like that. We're trying to retain them here, but we don't do enough of actually developing the people that are here as engineers yeah. to advance ourselves. So let's switch gears though and move on to our next topic. The Yusuf Hawkins documentary, Storm Over Brooklyn. Wonderful, wonderful documentary, in my opinion. So before we get into our our thoughts of it, just by context for the viewer, um, for those that may not remember, sadly, Yusuf Hawkins was a young man that he was 16 years old and he lost his life in Bensonhurst. Him and his friends were going to look at a used car and he was was shot. He was shot and he was killed. And in 1989, and as a result of that, it caused a huge uproar um, in New York City and led to sort of like the, sort. I guess I would say like the uh, re-examination of um, race and caused racial tension across New York City, mm-hmm. you know, so much that it was so impactful that out of it, New York City ended up getting their first black mayor, David Dinkins, their mm-hmm. use of Hawkins situation or Yusuf Hawkins tragedy was instrumental in a number of things. Like I said, we got David Dinkins out of it. Another thing that happened was it helped Al Sharpton, who many people know today as an activist, restore some credibility. Al Sharpton was coming off time where his credibility was shot based on how much support he lent to Tawana Brawley. Tawana Brawley was the case that she accused um, the young white men of raping her and then later recanted her statement and said that in fact she was lying and Al Sharpton stood next to that and took a lot of heat as a result of it. When he got on this and got involved with the Yusuf Hawkins case and I remember it because I I think I was a preteen you know right on the cusp. I was was the same age. 
yeah and and it, and it was something that was that that really radiated and and touched everybody it was a huge story it inspired you know a lot of people don't know it was like a huge inspiration for um do the right thing also with spike lee Right. Uh, just 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 an amazing documentary um rob you get a chance to check it out what are your thoughts on it yeah i did man and and watching it so many so many things came out of this the timing because like like you said we were teens at that time i think that was the first time you know you hear about racial intent uh, racial tension from your parents when they grew up in the 60s and the jim crow and civil rights and all that for 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 that to happen while I was a teenager, like I was the same age as this kid, and I've walked I've walked through white neighborhoods, Morris Park, Allenton, you know what I'm saying? And in constant and in, in, in some cases, I've even dealt with some of the issues he dealt with. I've been chased by with bats, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I've gone through that scenario. So to see that happen was like, damn, that could be me. But let's take this on a premise of what was going on in the 80s why tension was so crazy even even the 70s and the 80s and how it led up to david dinkins coming in there when Koch was in there Koch he ran new york like any one of these guys that's running a baseball team is like yeah i got these people paying for me i'm gonna just be who i am the things that was happening in the 80s oh my god i mean i remember 1981 when jacob um the uh What's the name of the center? The Jacob Javis Center was mm-hmm. selling Uzis. Mm. And that was prior to the crack era. And then come in with the crack era. You know what I'm saying? There was so much tension in the world anyway between races and, and, and nationalities. To when that happened, back fast forward to 89, it was like, wow, New York is just crazy. And didn't think when that, that happened in August and April was Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was so much going on in New York in the 80s and the 70s that there was tension everywhere. Everyone stayed in their areas. And if you went into an area that you wasn't supposed to go, and just like Yusuf Auckland's brother said, if his, his grandmother said, if I knew that boy was going in Bensonhurst, I'd have told him, no, you're not going in Bensonhurst. Mm-hmm. That's not a place you go look for anything, a job, a bike, a girl. And... Look and and, that, and that's another situation. The woman, whatever her name was, I forgot what her name is. Gina, Gina, yeah, instigating something that starts that that, that turned into what it turned into. That sound like a little Karen move right there. That's Karens all over the world, just just saying something to ignite a, 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 a fight or a, 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 a riot. Man, so much happened in that time. I think and that, and, that, and politically. With David Dinkins running, that's what got him in the office. People got tired of Koch, how he was mm-hmm. running the city. And here it is, a black man, very, very docile, very meek. He wasn't very boisterous, you know what I'm saying? But it won him the election. But it didn't change it. You know what I'm saying? And that's my that's my spin on this. There's so much to cover on that. And that day of time that when I watched that, I just reflect on the 80s and what, I, what was going on in the 80s. You know you what I'm know- saying? You know the mistake that Ed Koch made, though. Ed Koch was—he was in denial that this was uh, racially mo- that the attack was racially motivated. Yeah, but how can you not see that? Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, he knew that it was racially motivated, but he was trying to stay true to his constituents, and I think that he also anticipated that, you know, people of color wouldn't come out and and vote as much as they did. So mm-hmm. you know, that ended up hindering him. Zane, what's, what's your feedback? 
on the um, documentary? Well, first of all, rest in peace, Yusef Hawkins. Um, it's a very uh, tragic situation that occurred. And, uh, but as that happens, you got to look at it to, through the lens of, okay, um, like like Rob said back in the 80s, there was so many different factors that were going on to where people were separated. Right. All communities. Look, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, well, yeah, right. And, and and at the same time it's like uh even even people that had the uh that was that was pretty cool with people from other races, that made them put up a shield too. Because you might be cool with somebody but then your friends or the other people's friends might be like, yo, we got this going on. We gotta stick with our own. You see what I'm saying? And to even go back to a lot of the different movies, like you had Bronx Tale and all that, like Bronx Tale was a clear depiction of how it was. Like you might have a, a black girl that was attracted to an Italian dude, and the Italian dude was attracted to a, a black woman, but at the same time, you got people in their head. Like, yo, what are you what are you doing with them? You know, and it was a lot it was it was it was it was very very hostile very very hostile very violent um i figured that um even like how Sinan said with 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 with, with mayor cox back then now for for, for may for, for mayor cox to say that you know he was kind of like kind of kind of downplayed now say if mayor cox was strong and aggressive towards it like how you know the current new york mayor is it would have been more of an uproar it might have been way worse than what we saw back then. You see what I'm saying? But at the same time, the, the whole the whole contrast of what we have now to, to back then, to that unfortunate situation, we have, I think we have less blacks as far as prominent figures with, with politics that's actually on the forefront. Back then you had more black political figures that was that wasn't that wasn't scared to die or we, we had a lot that was scared to die but they still didn't you know, feel that they had to do it nowadays you got to filter through a haystack and find the needle to where you know we have the black political figure and, and a lot of times you know they don't even got to be a political figure but right now you got lebron james talking you know taking a stand and stuff like that but imagine if we had like a michael jordan back then so i think jordan came in with 84 85 yeah, eighty three, something like that. Okay, now imagine if you had like a Michael Jordan that, that was that was on the forefront and standing for the rights of blacks and you know stuff that was going on back then. So he was he, he, back then he wasn't in the position. He was a rookie. He wasn't in the position. Right, 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 right. But 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 you still have rookies that's in the NBA or whatever sports confederation right now that are rookies that are that are that are you know stand standing for the cause. But back now, then, now if you had someone like. Magic Johnson or Larry Bird step up for racial yeah. equality, that'd be different. Yeah. I, and I think they did that simultaneously on the court because they yeah. were good friends on the court. You know what I'm saying? The timing, the times is uh, different. And I think now- Very much so. In the sense of like, you know, what Zane is saying about like an activist. So when we think of an activist, to me, activist is the terminology that's thrown around and it's, it's loosely defined. Like there are people who somebody says, yo, they're an activist because they're online and they post paraphernalia or propaganda related to whatever's going on with, with Black Lives Matter or whatever people assume the movement is. That to me is not an activist. And one of the mistakes that I feel like sometimes we make as people of color is that we look to 
people in the role of entertainers and things like that to assume a role of an activist. And the reason why we do that is because our belief is that they have a voice, they have a platform. If they express the, the, the displeasure about whatever's going on in their voice or their platform, it's helpful to us because they have an audience. The only thing is that we don't take into account that sometimes these people don't have the ability to articulate the message correctly and accurately. And I'll give you an example. You know, we talked about LeBron. Well, LeBron now is saying the right things, but I don't know if you guys remember when Black Lives Matter started really being a slogan and a catchphrase, they asked LeBron and LeBron's position was like, all lives matter. Now, think about it today. If somebody says all lives matter, we look at them like they're crazy, right? Like, yo, all lives matter. You you know, you're off message. You're missing what, what it is that we're wrong. All, all lives always matter. Yeah. So again, like it puts it puts a lot of social responsibility on the shoulders of entertainers to be able to carry that weight. As far as like activists and stuff like that, like the difference now between them is that back then, you know, you had like the Jesse Jacksons, you know, you had the Alex Hawkins, you had yeah, you had those people Muhammad Ali. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, you had those people that they were out on the forefront and they were vocal about it. And there were people that were very much involved with the movement. The difference is that there was no social media platform that blast all of this stuff out. Right. And you know, I had an interesting, um, interesting discussion before. Um, and I have this discussion a lot with like a lot of other people, and people don't realize like you know, there's a difference. I think again between being an activist and almost like somebody who is is like a messenger. Like to me, you could disseminate information, right? And that doesn't necessarily make you an activist. You may have some level of awareness. An activist is a person to me who has boots on the ground. Right. Now, if you're an activist and you're working on behalf of, you know, getting me out of prison, let's say, I don't care if your message is blasted across numerous platforms. What I care about is if you got me out of prison. So we can't always make the mistake that because it's not public information that it's not going on. Like there are a lot of people doing wonderful things in a black community that's in silence that we can benefit from that we just get lost sometimes and you know okay why is it not because we've become so used to just having everything out in the open for public consumption right. and everything every move like you see the memes and all that social it's true like every move doesn't necessarily need to be publicized there are things that need to be publicized but remember there's a lot of bad information that's publicized also that people take and run with it but to bring it back to this this documentary right here, you know, I remember living in Twin Parks and one of the things that we always hear in Twin Parks is like, you don't want to be around Arthur Avenue when it gets late, <laughs> when it gets late, you know, or you don't want to be around um, Mars Parkway and- Yeah, and Mars Park, Allenton, Ellen Parkway. <laughs> and that was this time, this time in the 80s, there was so much, there was so much racial tension and there was a clear distinction also in terms of poverty, like going up <laughs> the I remember the Bronx was dilapidated. Like there was tons of burned down buildings, vacant lots and all these different things. And there was a stigma associated with being a person of color going into these neighborhoods. It was automatically assumed that you were going in there to rob, loot, steal, kill, whatever it was, you know, and to see all of this, all of this stuff based on these narratives that were created, but mm -hmm. come to the top. And as a result of it, we have this use of Hawkins situation. It's really tragic. And what's more so tragic is that we here we are, you Again. know, 1989, years later. Again. Yeah. Right. We're, you know, we're, we're still here. 
having these same stories. How many Yusuf Hawkins have we encountered in our lifetime since Yusuf Hawkins? Nothing has changed, man. Nothing yeah. has changed. Nothing has changed. A, a, a male life. I won't even say a black life. And sisters get get it just as much as we do. But the black male has been under attack. We've been under attack. We've been yeah. under the bootstrap. We've been under the knee. We've been under a rope. We've been under everything, son. And what 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 constitutes anyone to have that type of hate and and, and just volatile energy for anyone what is that about you know what i'm saying and and you got you, 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 and it's, it's yusuf hoffins all the way to trayvon martin someone just identifying look i don't like the nigga mm-hmm. but you know what it is too rob and Shanae? the same the same people that are racist the same cops that are unjust that that do this stuff to us to our other to our, Black brothers and sisters and, and Latin brothers and sisters and any other minority, when we out there in that court shooting them hoops, when we out there hitting them home runs, when we out there doing all this other sports affiliated and music affiliated stuff, that's when they are in tune with us. But when it comes to like social social matters, like injustice and stuff like that, and when things, things, things start to boil, that's mm-hmm. when the separation comes. But if you if you really into this particular athlete, well, I'm just using athletes because they, you know, everybody loves sports, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like sports, sports and sports figures is like a universal language, just like music. So you might you might have like a Michael the black Jackson. man is God. You might have a Michael Jackson that does music. Everybody loved him. You might have a Michael Jordan. Everybody loved him. Very very few hated him. But when it comes to stuff to where that same particular person that was beat down, killed, hung, robbed, or shot down, or whatever it is, that's when the separation comes. So if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you like the attributes that we had then, why are you not at the forefront with us when stuff like this kick off? You know why? Because we're. I because definitely know why. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just general statement. That's where our value lies. Entertainment. We're good for entertainment purposes. Right. So right. here's here's where this gets where this has become more of a prominent discussion in the media of recent because the documentary revealed that Hot 97's Patty Duke was actually one of the young men that was involved in the riot that led to Yusuf Hawkins' murder. So. He was ultimately sentenced to probation and community service for possession of a bat as a weapon. There was um, Joseph Farmer, he was 18 at the time of the shooting and he was sentenced to 32 years in prison. I think he's actually up for parole next year or the year afterwards. Keith Mandela was 19 at the time. He was acquitted of murder, but he was sentenced to 16 years in prison. There was John S. Vento that was sentenced to eight years in prison. Um, Joseph Serrano was sentenced to community service for possession of a bat as a weapon. James Patino, Charles Stressler, and Stephen Creer were acquitted of all charges against them. What are your thoughts on Hot 97, their response to terminating Patty Duke after they found out that Patty Duke was involved with it? And also, let's, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Do we believe that they were aware that Patty Duke 
where hip hop lives, hip hop is widely viewed as black culture, that they were okay with knowing that Patty Duke was involved in this this tragedy. What do you think, Rob? I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that's twofold. I think some knew and some didn't. Because mm -hmm. if you look back in that documentary, right, all them people that were on the sidelines picking up bananas and watermelon, remember that was in the 80s. All the people grew up to be your bankers, to be people that you probably consoled and did business with, but mm -hmm. still held them same ideologies in the back of their head. So he slid through the cracks. I think a lot of them slid through the cracks. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And I think he's been on Hot 97, and I hate that it was on Hot 97 because hip hop gets, we get, hip hop gets the black eye for everything. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? We, we, it always gets the black eye for everything, but him working there for 25 years, he hadn't been doing good at something. So they hired him because they, I, they hired. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Because if, if you know someone that did something, and if you, if you, if you, if you're judging him, you say, well, all right, he was a part of it, but did he actually do it? It's, there's so many nuances to that. And one, one of the brother, one of the, the, the people on, on the set said they knew it 18 years ago. So if you knew it 18 years ago, it didn't resonate enough for you to say, well, Dan, you was a part of a gang riot, son. You, you beat this kid down. You killed this kid. You was a part of that. What? Well, how, are you, how are you here? You know what I'm saying? How, how are you part of this group? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't, I have, I have my, 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 I had just some, some, some weird ways about that because I, I look at society as a whole now mm -hmm. and you, you, like I said, you look at the people who were in that video, all the people that were against marching and all that, other, all those other things, those are the same people that probably sold you your car, probably sold you your house, yep. probably writing checks and they keep their personal ideology to themselves unless a situation like this comes up and all of a sudden they're swinging a banana in your face and calling you a fucking monkey. It's like, yo, you just sold me a car. I didn't know that. Listen, man, everyone has their personal feelings about another culture and about any other culture. And, they, and it's usually out of ignorance. But if you come to find out who these people are and they find out who you are, you can better disseminate how you deal with people. You know what I'm saying? The OG, my man, my man Pi said, they knew that the black man is God. Now we could take that in the whole instance of why Caucasians, and I use that term, Caucasians, why, what's their disdain for black life? What is it? What, what is it? Is the male phallus? Is it that we can jump high? Is it that we can shoot? Is that we can run fast? Are you just uncomfortable with who we are because of the things that we can manifest and bring out and, and, and show and prove? And if that's the case, say that that's the case you know what i'm saying that's all you got to do because we don't live under those premises we don't live with trying to defame who a white athlete is because he's white yeah you know what i'm saying OG. the world the world loves larry bird you yeah. know what I'm saying? og so, dad got a, has a good comment here he said we must understand that the person who hired him is probably similar to him what stands out to me is true. that because they mentioned when they, when uh when the, the morning show talked about it Ebro mentioned, he said that, you know, he had that he, meaning Patty Duke, he talked about it and said, you know, yes, um, they did a whole sweep and they picked everybody up in the neighborhood. Now, for me, having listened to their show on occasion, that would be an opportunity for me to explore that further. 
Like if somebody tells me, oh, by the way, you know, I was there when um, when Amadou Diallo got gunned down or when Am Amna Louima was assaulted, I'm naturally going to be like, okay, so what, what was, you know, what was your involvement? Why were you around and what, what was going on? I'm going to explore that a little bit more. I'm not just going to take it at face value that this huge racial event that, you know, that this whole huge racist event with all this racial tension and all this stuff that came as a result of it, you just said, hey, they picked me up in the suite and that was it. Like, I, well, I, I think I that they at face value and didn't explore it. I tell you this, that happens a lot in New York. Just getting yeah. sweep. I, I've, I've been in enough sweeps and it, I had to walk home from the priest and like, why the fuck did I, what was, what yeah, was I doing? No, no, it does, it does happen. But think about the magnitude that it happens at. So if they, if we, if we all hanging on a block and they come and they, and they yo, this corner's indicted or whatever, we picking everybody up on the corner. That's a lot different than saying, you know, like- Right, um, someone losing their life. Yeah, this huge event that was televised across the world and sparked this outrage in the city and then we just gonna gloss over it? You know what I'm right. saying? Like, right. there, there, there are certain things that warrant additional conversation around it. It's not like, you know, everybody got rounded up, hopping the train and we, they took everybody to central booking. This right. is a major, this is a major e event that sparked right. outrage in the city that warrants an, an employer, a person, forget an employer as a friend. If you tell me tomorrow, Rob, if you be like, yo, you know the arm from the Amadou, I'm gonna do dialogue, I gunned down or whatever. I was this, that. I'm like, yo, word, yo, tell, yo, elaborate. Tell me more about that or whatever. I'm gonna want to know about that. That's a, that's a big part of New York City history. History, yes, sir. Yeah, that transpired. Yes, I'm not gonna leave that as. You can uh, just you brush know, that under the rug, right? You yo, can put that under the rug. Rob said he was. Yo, Rob said he just happened to be on the police force when I'm gonna do dialogue, I gunned down <laughs> or whatever. Like, yo, you can't just conveniently gloss over that. Like, and that's that was the impression that I got from them. That he almost said it like matter of fact, it's like they was hanging out in the club or they was at the company party and people was talking and it was like, remember Yusuf Hawkins, yeah, they picked me up and that. He was like, word, all right. And they just accepted right. their face value because they had the other gentleman convicted as a killer that how bad could he have done because he wasn't convicted or, you know, he got he got away from it or whatever it is. Zane, what, what are your thoughts on this? Very tragic situation. Um... You got to also look at, uh, put, put the shoe on the other foot. We already know the answer. What's the likelihood of uh, a black man getting swept up being that, you know, Caucasians came to his, his town and the same situation occurred? Whether it was a female involved and all the other stuff, right? And then he goes and he tries to go to like you know, a, a, a popular radio station like Z100. And he's one of the main dudes behind the scenes. Like the whole application process or the background check behind that, that stuff wouldn't happen, bro. It, it wouldn't so just, like so just like how OG, OG Dad said, whoever was the person that overlooked this dude's uh, background, which I'm, I hope that's what happened. It wasn't just a situation where it was like, okay, damn, you know what I'm saying? You got the job, you already highly qualified. Now what 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 makes it like what, what was what was what was Patty Duke's uh advertising advertising right? right so you gotta look at it same, same, same. really quick not the not the um sorry to cut you off but yo just we should also add this he got that job at hot ninety seven I believe they said less than three years after this occurred so it was okay. fresh okay 
So he got the job three years after that occurred, correct? Yeah, he got that job fairly shortly after that happened. It wasn't like 10 years later. He got That's it. And, and in fact, I believe they said he had his record expunged while working on that job. That's what I'm saying. So when it comes to advertising, you can like when you when you when you when you in the role of advertising for a particular brand, company, whatever, you don't have to have no face value unless people know you personally. So I kind of so what what have it to where this dude was behind advertising for so many years and never came to the forefront of the camera? Yeah, he you was he was he he was his he's made some appearances like he showed up on a lot of the different shows and his name has been mentioned and everything. Look, the reason why let's be real the reason I'm why the forefront of the camera the forefront yeah. the thing that this dude was this dude was 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 an employee for Hot 97 for so long. So well, you figure, okay. Zane, you the reason why they terminated him, the reason why they terminated him, and think about it, in a capacity as somebody working in advertising with everything that's going on, you think an advertiser is going to, once this is public knowledge, going to want to advertise with Hot 97, knowing the person who sets up the advertising revenue and everything was involved with this? Say that, say that one more time. Given the fact that all of this is going on, the climate that we're in politically and with the Black Lives Matter movement and all this unjust and civil unrest that's going on, you think an advertiser is gonna come with their dollar seven and work with the director of advertising who has been convicted in a case, cause he, let's not be, let's not get it twisted. He was convicted of a crime. It just wasn't the, the furthest extent. Right. working him and and say we want to spend our advertising dollars with you when you were convicted in this criminal case no, no. I, I, think, I think i think you misunderstand what i'm saying so what i'm saying is that being that he got hired and he worked for that long with advertising that was a cushion for him so where he doesn't have to be at the forefront you see what i'm saying so 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 Whoever was the, the one or two people, if not more, that approved for him to work for advertising, let alone just 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 get a job at Hot, at Hot 97, they already knew the situation. With him. Now, say if he was a janitor for, for Hot 97, it wouldn't be such a, a big issue. But being that he's one of the arms and legs behind that, as far right. as pushing that particular brand. That's what OG that's where, said. That's why he fired him. That's why he fired him. Yeah, you know they they fired them because they no advertisers gonna spend their advertising dollars with the actual. It's like yo, if he was in the in the cafeteria, you could be like yo, he in the cafeteria, like you said earlier, he ain't facing nothing. But I'm yeah. gonna take my advertising dollar and give it to that the director of advertising who was convicted of this crime. It just doesn't it doesn't play right. That's exactly why they fired him. A motivation, a motive, yeah, a racially a racially situation such as like that. You know. No company wants to hold ties with anyone with a background or anything dealing with that, man. So, yeah, I, 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 I 97 did what they were supposed to do. It only took them 25 years to do it. But you got a question, like you said, who was it that looked over that application? Because they actually yeah. ever, ever been committed a crime. Yeah. And once we find out, usually if they find out if you lie, your ass don't even get the job. Yeah. Wonder, I mean, you know what? You could play. You could play. You could finagle the big one a thousand different ways, huh? You could play hypotheticals all day, but let's, let's just let's just for the purpose of humor in the audience. 
let's throw a hypothetical out there. This documentary doesn't take off. It doesn't get into, it doesn't hit social media and this doesn't become public consumption where everybody knows about it. Do you think Hot 97 fires him? Zane? That nigga be putting up fucking Pepsi commercials right now. So. <laughs> I think I think they would. I would think whether because you know how they say, you know, what's 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 what's, what's done in dark should come to light. You never know. It could be somebody that got fired that knew about this situation, whether through the grapevine or they knew personally, they come out with a book. But before they come out with the book, they're gonna let it be known that okay, Patty Duke was doing XYZ and such and such to prove for him. I don't know why it happened. I never been around him. I never was cool with him, but he was still a co-worker. You see what I'm saying? So it would have still came out eventually because when you when you when you do dirt, it's a very high percentage that that stuff's gonna come out and you know you're gonna get caught. It's a little common, man. So now, common. so now, so now the, the, the major transition is is to see what's gonna happen with him now. Like, is he gonna still be in the radio industry? Is he gonna be in, in like what's what's gonna be his next move from from here? Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing about it is, we saying is it, it was gonna come out, but the fact of the matter is, it was already out. It was public public knowledge and company knowledge too. The company already knew about it, so it wasn't. It just came out for public consumption more so, right? Because of social media and things like that. OG Dad is saying he's still employed. OG Dad, you want to elaborate a little bit more? Do you think he's still working behind the scenes, and that we don't know that they they reassigned him? I tell you what, shout out to OG Dad, but for as much as he comments, maybe OG Dad one day, I mean, it don't gotta be this episode, he needs to come in his own face, man. <laughs> OG <laughs> Dad, show yourself, OG right Dad. Good. You know what I'm saying? Show yourself, man. Yo, but OG Dad is, is right now, he's, yo, he's kicking facts. Racism is only a problem if it is found out. Right. Yeah, I, right. I, I right. There's, a lot, there's a lot of people that's closeted racist, and yo, I know, you know, we try not to get political and everything on this platform, but one of the things that I think with our current president has exposed is he's he's been really instrumental in helping us really find out who is really who's really an ally and who really had these other feelings for a long time. You know, there are a lot of people that that we've stood next to, just as like Rob said, might have sold us our house, our car, whatever it is, and we thought we're good people. But at the end of the day, they had these ulterior motives and they had- they Yeah, had, son, the niggas got a hood in they, they got a hood in their closet. Straight facts, you gotta look man. at it too. You gotta look at it too. Like say down the line, uh, Patty Duke might might wanna come from, you know, behind the scenes and he might start start giving information of who else known about it since he, you know, since he's been there. And it might be other people for that particular station that might, might, might be in, you know, share the same thoughts as the people that he was caught up with back in the day, but Patty they still you know, behind the board pushing the button. So you, so you never know what's going on right now. Yeah. Patty, Dukes is, Patty Dukes is finished. That's my word on that. Finished. He's, he's, he's um, he's and finished. I, 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 also, I also think twenty-five also, years off the culture. Twenty EV profited for more than 20, 25 years off the culture. Remember, Buster <laughs> Rhymes said, "Yo." Hip hop employs motherfuckers that don't even love hip hop. Mm -hmm. All the execs, all the secretaries, everybody that's been behind it, ain't never pick up a mic, know what a scratch is. But they raised their families, they sent their kids to college, they living 
off of this, off of our culture, man. Straight culture, culture, culture man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, Rob, because the people that makes the most money off, off of hip hop is these, is these record owners, record owners. Oh, the biggest vultures, hell yeah, sir. Biggest vultures, man. Biggest vultures, and my, my thing, my thing about this documentary, honestly, I think it's positioned for what we see going on today, because it's no different than what's happened today. But to sensationalize it, you know I mean, America has a, a very good way of sensationalizing our dramas and our traumas and putting yeah. it behind the screen for us to have dialogue such as this. But at the same time, there's people out there still losing their lives to the same hands under the same premise of racism, just like Yusef Hawkins, you know what I'm saying? And there's not, in my opinion, I had an OG tell me there's not no marching because marching is an activity it's an exercise when you're marching you're going somewhere where's marching brought us to this day nowhere mm. the same place exactly voting the same way and and i'm not here hating voting because we do need to vote you know what i'm saying those things need to need to be in place but we need to know who we're voting for and we need to know our local officials that we can put certain people in place mm -hmm. that can be on on the the the, the, the floor of the House of Representatives to make certain laws pass by mm -hmm. so we can live in these communities that we don't even have to even deal with individuals like that. And that's another thing. And this goes back to Shy. We I think we talked about this before, about old man Jesse having that community that 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 conversation with Lord Jamal. And he mm -hmm. said, yo, we forced Caucasian or white people to like us. That was civil rights. He lived in an environment where we didn't force them. And we lived on the same block with Klansmen. And they walked See? by my house and, and said hello every morning. But the moment they got See? an opportunity to, to go ahead, go ahead, Zane. See, but the other thing about that, I'm glad you brought that up. You can have somebody from a different race that quote unquote might like you, whether fictitious or not, but they don't respect you. And a lot of times nowadays, the climate of what's going on from whether today or even back when Yusef Hawkins stuff was happening, you might have a person that is a stone cold racist and they might be from Bensonhurst, but they over, they wherever they traveling, they have to go through a multitude of black people. They might, you know, give the, hey, how you doing, all those other stuff, but they might, you know, st still have the same values because they, they are, uh, you know, scared for their well-being. So at the yeah, end, you're gonna you're gonna you gonna play like you like you nice mm -hmm. in order to Familiar. get that. Familiar. That, yeah. that, that that happens every day, bro. That every happens. Day, bro. It might be happening on your job now. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? If you're working with someone, just so he can get that check, he'll befriend you. He might even bring you a soda at lunch. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But but if but if you but if 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 you're at a bar and he's with his boys and you're with mm -hmm. your boys. He gonna look at you like you over there, nigga. I ain't giving you no soda. Yeah. I hate. You know what I'm I hate to even bring up the um the Jacob Blake shooting because it seems like every two or three episodes we're back here talking about how you know how a black man has been subjected to to how, how somebody white has killed somebody black. Yeah. So for those that aren't familiar with J the Jacob Blake story, you know um, Jacob Blake was. Um, attempting to break up a conflict between two women. Police showed up on the scene. 
and they were attempting to subdue him. And as he went to get in his vehicle with his three children in the vehicle, the police shot him in the back. I think it was seven or eight times, leaving him paralyzed. You know, the other day I read that he was actually not only was he paralyzed, but he was also handcuffed to his um, to his hospital bed. Why you would handcuff a paralyzed person is unbeknownst to me. But as a result of the Dick Blake the mentality, shooting, these people, man. the public outcry now has been, you know, has been immense. And all of this, I think, falls within the confines of this moment that we're having in history, where, you know, there's this huge discussion and this huge debate about Black Lives Matter. So, you know, the NBA um, players elected in protest not to play games. Major League Baseball canceled games. I think hockey finally got around to canceling games. You know, NBA players made a list of demands that they wanted from the owners, you know, to um, to help, I guess, help them move forward or to help feel as if they are part of the movement for social justice. To me, it's just really unfortunate, like in this climate with everything that's going on. And that, that should tell you about where we are as people with everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you know, in this, in this climate that police officers would still still shoot a man in front of his children like that to me tells me that that hate is ingrained and there's nothing mm-hmm. to do like at what point do you say like you know what like this there's a high level of sensitivity to police and police relations with people of color we need to really tone it down we need to do better we need to figure this out you know or why are people not why are police officers not hyper vigilant and saying like i see all this other stuff that's going on you know, I really need to be mindful of how I conduct myself. And that's why I said, like, whatever's going on is ingrained in, mm-hmm. in police officers' mm-hmm. heads that have mm-hmm. to really, you know, have, they don't have the ability to control what's going on. And by the way, I'm sporting a t-shirt too, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. You know, Salute. every Salute. year, every, every, I feel like every other day or every other week, we're back at this same conversation and we continue to have this conversation and rob knows you know zane you know you started coming um in front of the camera more recently but as guests have come on and we've talked about this one of the things that i've been adamant about and that i've always put on the table and challenged guests around is that while we have all this attention on the on, on this movement you know now's the time for us to talk about deliverables like what is it that we want and sometimes i feel like as people we get we get roped into what the issue is it's it's clear as day number one thing we want is for people to stop killing stop killing black people but we need to we have to think about deliverables and sometimes we get roped into so much about what the fight is that we don't know how or when to ask for what it is that we want yeah rob you wanted to say something no because when you say one that means you're you're asking something from someone Mm -hmm. and i think at this point there's nothing that we should be asking from anyone other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what that states is that what we need to do as a people is to really know who the hell we are. And what I'm, I mean that in a broad perspective, mm-hmm. who are you and why are people coming to you that way? That means the knowledge of yourself. Mm-hmm. We are great people, man. We come from so much greatness. And that might start to open people's eyes as to why people have this disdain and this jealousy for who you are in your presence. That alone. 
Knowledge of self is the strongest thing that you can ever have. Because once you know yourself, you know your enemy. Mm -hmm. And you know how to deal with your enemy. And you know how to conduct yourself when faced with your enemy. And we ain't the people that sit here and want to fight no while. We can deal with people intellectually. And once we start opening our mouth clearly and concisely, they look at us like, oh, that's one of them smart niggas. Can't fuck with him. You don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. They fuck with people that they think that don't know who they are. They're going to react. We're reactionary people. We usually, usually used to flying off at the handle. You know what I'm saying? Instead of looking at someone in the eye and be like, you're going to say, you can call me nigga all you want. But I know who you are, you maggot. And I said that on TV. So listen, it's about knowledge itself. It's about knowing who you are. Because once you know who you are, you know who your enemy is. But, uh, but do we have, what you're saying is absolutely correct. But think about it. When we start looking at who we are as a, as a whole, how many people mm -hmm. are actually there? How many people are interested in that? That's correct. That's good, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good nobody, point. Nobody's interested in what they are because we're force-fed and programmed all of the things that we've been given to sensationalize our lives, to move us away from knowing who we are. Let me tell you something. Now, we talked about this on camera, off camera. 95% of the time, the conversation that you're having is with yourself. So what are you talking to all day? What are you saying to yourself all day? That starts there. That's knowledge of who you are. Mm -hmm. You I can't sit up... Mm -hmm. I think, okay. we're, I think we're, what we get caught in, though, also is that, to me, I th like there's there's a, co a construct that sadly that we that we we've been boxed into that we're working with. So even when we're talking about like the situation as it relates to the um to voting, and to me it's like to, I, I feel like voting is it's a power. It's, it's yeah, and, it, it's, and it's and it's a choice or whatever. And I think like if you look at like now like. The position that people have like some people some people's position is well i don't like joe biden i don't like um trump so i'm not gonna vote at all granted it's your right whether you choose to vote or not i don't, I don't see anything wrong with that i don't see anything wrong with if you vote for trump if that's who you support if you support biden whatever it is but given the current construct and what the game is we have to be able to figure out how do we until we're able to create our new system or the new construct how do we operate within that construct and what I see a lot of sometimes is people take the ball and go home. They like, you know what? Forget it. I don't want, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. Not realizing by not understanding the current paradigm and figuring out how to operate within the paradigm that right. we're never going to be able to get to the next level because we're so again to go back to we're so caught up in the fight that we don't realize right. what it is that we're truly trying to get. Like you at some point you have to shift. Jay-Z took a lot of heat. When he said, remember about Colin Kaepernick, he was like, yeah, you know, kneeling is good, but now you need actionable steps. And I was like, yo, what, what are you talking about? Like, but the, the fact of the matter is you, you have to go for something. There has to be something tangible that you want out of it. Because when you get the world, there is, they're listening and they're saying, okay, what is your issue? And your response to it is, well, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black yeah. Lives Matter. Right. You know, Heiko, at some point you gotta be like, well, this is my issue and this is how I want you to rectify. This is how the problem is solved. This is what I need. This is what I want. And I think sometimes we miss the point on that because we've been put in a position and I think mm -hmm. that's part of the trauma that we've endured. We've mm -hmm. been put in a position where we're so accustomed to fighting and we fight and we fight and we fight and we fight. But so we ain't fighting. 
We didn't, and we didn't lost, yo. We didn't even lost what we even fighting about. <laughs> we ain't fighting and, no more, son. I guarantee you right now, you could go out to any one of these cities and find somebody at a protest and be like, what's this protest about? And a handful of people probably could tell you in detail what the protest is about. The other people there are sheep that are just there and they don't really even know the details. They wanna, right, they just want to bear witness. They just, wanna, they just want to be there to be there. And that's yeah. the point. The, the, let me tell you the shift. The shift is we have to remove ourselves from the old paradigm. The old paradigm is, in my opinion, is the civil right way of doing things. No one can give you rights. Mm -hmm. They're yours from birth. Exactly. And there's nothing civil about that because they haven't done nothing civil about giving you a right. Nothing civil. Mm -hmm. There's nothing civilized about going through or seeing someone get shot in the back seven goddamn times. Or someone getting raped or kids being trafficked. There's nothing civil about that. But I tell you this, I tell you this, the old way of doing things, or there is, there has been a way of doing things independently for years to come, but no one has looked, looked bad. It's got, it's got a bad, it's got a bad rap. Mm -hmm. You look, you look at brothers in um, the Hebrew Israelites, I don't agree with them, but look what they're doing for themselves. Morris Science Temple. I agree with a lot of their, their principles because they, they, they know they know the science of life. And these these this this is the shift that I'm talking about. Civil rights taking nothing away from Malcolm, Mega Evers, all of our fine men and women who have tried to get white people to understand who we are. But just like the elder said, they don't wanna like us. Why are we forcing them? Do not force them. We should be forcing ourselves, ourselves with Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. We should be forcing ourselves to stop killing one another or just learn how to have dialogue without people getting in their feelings. Mm -hmm. That's That right there is paramount where you can have a conversation with someone even if they disagree and shouldn't turn them away with, oh, now, ah, it, you shouldn't do that. Because I have an opinion, you you have an opinion. Even if you don't agree, still my opinion. I ain't smacking in your face. You know what I'm saying? I ain't I ain't spitting your mouth or nothing like that. I just had an opinion. Yeah. That there has to be that, but that that's self-reflection. Mm -hmm. That's self-reflection. You're not gonna get that on the TV, bro. There's no yeah. one on Oprah coming on and said, man, need to know himself. It starts yeah. with what we're doing now, off scene. If there's a little shorty that you know, you can become a mentor, give that kid some jewels. That's how I survive. I survive by OGs giving me jewels and telling me, yo, Rob, you don't need to be on the block. Here's a ball, go to the court. Mm -hmm. Or here's a book, go read that. The OG dad said, Caucasian American don't ask anyone for civil rights. I shouldn't need to either. That's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. And, 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 you, and you know my premise about the nation. These are the things that the nation was teaching since 1930, my nigga. Knowledge yourself, love yourself, love your family, do for your family. And if you look at the history of the nation, the nation had all, they, was, they had restaurants, they had bookstores, they had universities without any Caucasian input at all. If anything, it was a matter of dealing with banks. But at that time, even had banks mm -hmm. i think everyone on this line know about about black, black wall street, wall street. Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying 
why aren't we using that in the context of saying let's do that i think we're doing that now i think we're right on the cusp because a lot of people are starting to become entrepreneurs and they're doing things solely i think that's what the pandemic has given people an opportunity for some self-reflection so they can see themselves and be like yo i need multiple ways to make money i can't just get it this way or oh, i don't even have a job now i need to sell t-shirts maybe i need to sell some icy some hot dogs whatever the case is mm-hmm. entrepreneurial spirit is what's going to galvanize our people out of this I we don't think, have to rely on we don't have to rely on people no more we should be relying on ourselves and, ahead, that's why, and that's why i say that we need to make our demands like if it's going to be us setting up our banking system or whatever it is we need to be explicit in terms of what it is that we want because the comment like you said you know we've marched we've we've protested we boycotted we got yeah everything so now now what is our what's our next step like what is it that we really hope to achieve guys ain't i think overall when you say black lives matter black lives matter with um like you you can have people that scream black lives matter but they still calling the black woman the, the b word they might they they calling the black man the n-word uh they listening to music that's uh detrimental to your to your, to your actual frequency development. And, yeah and development so what that where it comes with like black black lives matter when you have when you throw up the black lives matter and your antennas go up it can't just be just for your uh convenience it has to be a 360. Right. so I think that's where a lot of people get it misconstrued because I sit back, you know, I'll be on I'll be on social media and stuff like that. I look at I look at the different comments and people whether it's shade room or ball alert and people are people are uh, commenting or whatever. Then I go to their page, you might have a, a woman talking about Black Lives Matter, but then on her bio it's talking about ain't no ain't no B I T C A She got whack yeah, on I'm like, yeah, like that that gets total out the window. Yo, <laughs> you might have a dude on there talking about Black Lives Matter, but then he's talking about uh, this 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 particular group or whatever, and you know, talking about violence and all this other stuff. So it got to be like a like a higher level of thinking. And I think until we as, as people uh, conquer our, our, our ourselves, we're not gonna be able to conquer anything else. But here's the, the information is out there too. Yeah, but his his yeah the information is out there. Here's the thing though to, to um to to consider though, what often happens that when we start talking about Black Lives Matter, there are these other conversations that get intermingled in those discussions that devalue Black Lives Matter movement, right? Correct. So Black Lives Matter movement is specifically talking about the injustice that have been done to black men, you know, black, you know, black men, black women, black people getting killed unjustly, things like that. What happens is it gets conflated and becomes diluted when we start talking about, okay, so because black lives matter, why are people killing each other in the hood and this, that or whatever, like all of that derails what the message is now. And I've said this on other episodes too. That's not to say that we don't have an issue internally and in the hood with each other and how we deal with inner city violence. But don't allow the outsiders to derail whatever the message is. You know, it's like it's like almost as if that right. that what happens is that they get you to watch this hand. You talking about this, they wave the handkerchief over there, and then mm-hmm. you've forgotten that this was really the issue. You know, mm-hmm. 
black on black and, and that terminology is terrible black on black violence we could think about right now think of the, the the state that probably has the most white people per capita there crime utah crime, you, utah, <laughs> utah. crime exists in utah right now if we were to go to utah and look at a, a newspaper in utah do you think it would be categorized as white on white today in white on white crime news or today it would just be categorized as it's crime as crime that's just it so we can't have like other other things to to distract us from what the actual message is now just to bring it back to what zane is saying like zane we do have to do better as people right because we do put a premium on you know um the the drinking and you know you have um how sis, some sisters dress or whatever whatever it is or this that or whatever but i think that that's a whole completely different conversation from what this particular conversation is about and i feel like what happens is you have pop politicians usually right-wing politicians that drag that stuff in to muddy the water to create infighting amongst us also around it right so we can't worry about who is outside in the backyard outside our house that's the enemy if we're fighting in the house because we're not a united front we have to figure out how do we do better and deal with fixing our shit up in our house right. while at the same time addressing what the bigger issue is outside right. of that so when you hear people say well how can you say black lives matter when black people are killing each other you know to me it's like you you're just you're just dra you're dragging us in to attempt to deflect from what the actual messaging is around it, it to, to make it as if that it's not a racial component to make it as if that criminal justice reform is not needed you know there are simple there are simple analytics we can look at that tells us all we need to know about black lives matter right black people are a minority blacks and latinos are the minority why do we make up majority of the uh high call it the prison system do you think that that's just by chance or do you believe that black people and latinos are committing more crimes than white people there's no. a whole, there's a whole systemic practice that's put in place that continues to perpetuate these things that people refuse to look at because whenever we start looking at it and whenever we get this close to it we like yeah we almost got a finger on the button you know what they say guess what jamal killed uh how you call it killed randy in in, in the park the other day what y'all gonna right. do about that and then everybody's attention go to jamal and randy and the gang violence and this that or whatever while they saying like look we got these dummies worried about this <laughs> while we still constantly putting people in constantly redlining doing all this other shit that maintains the high call it the systemic racism so again i say that while we have while we have the nation's attention and we have all this stuff at our fingertips and we have these businesses whether they believe it or not that everybody right now is kind of looking like yo i don't want to be on the wrong side of history you know i need to do something or whatever now's the time to make a demand and be like yo this is this is what this is what is gonna happen this is what we're gonna do if it's banking this is the banking that we're gonna do if it's 40 acres and mule and you giving us property this is what it's gonna do this is what it's gonna be or whatever we can't just get caught up in the fight because you know what the fight brother is gonna be going on long after all three of us are gone again us three right here having this conversation 30 years from now it may not be in this this shit may be in virtual reality but 30 years from now three other people will be having the same conversation because none of this shit gonna change if we if we keep getting bogged down in the fight and don't start thinking about how do we how do we as people 
to use shift. your work to elevate. Yeah, yeah. And we take have to have out. a shift, and the shift starts in the mind first. It starts up here. You gotta, you gotta have a change of thinking, and to change our thinking, we have to change the paradigm of how we've been thinking. We can't, we can't kill a monster with the same stone that our parents used. Mm-hmm. Civil rights was a stone that didn't work. It didn't work. Yes, we got jobs at high levels. We're able to become black coaches and maybe, you know, Jordan is an owner now. But we've been supposed to have that. Mm-hmm. We, 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 that that's been ours for years. But how do, how do we reclaim it? Like you said, you got to start with in-house. All changes start from inside first. And we stop paying attention to the outside. The dude holding the carrot in front of the donkey. Fuck the carrot. I don't want the carrot. I want to know how I'm gonna get up the hill with my own ability. Not not you me chasing the carrot. You know what I'm saying? And that has to start with individuals taking responsibility and accountability for their actions and holding people accountable for their actions. Dude. Don't be afraid to say, yo, you said you was gonna do this, you need to show up. You know what yeah. I mean? Look look at brother my son. He's putting his life on the line, holding himself accountable. And this is a dude who's been in the prison system. And he's telling you, look, I ain't perfect, nigga. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm changing the narrative. This is not going to keep going on. Mm-hmm. And you have to, we have to, first as individuals and then collectively, stand together and be like, look, if I got an idea that I know it's going to work, I'm telling you first, I'm telling you two first. I'm gonna make sure the three of us we capitalize on that idea. And once we got that mastered, then we can send it off to three more people. But we keep it in house and taking nothing away from any other supporters. We can have many of the supporters, but the ideology has to be us mm-hmm. and no one else. And that's not selfish because yeah. we've been given we've been given to this pl- we've been given to people on this planet for hundreds of years and have got nothing in return. At what point are we gonna take take it for ourselves? And that's no different. The main, the, main, the main reason is because people don't listen, huh? But we know what the reasons are. We just need to we need to we need, we need to action. action. We need action, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yo, now's the time. You have all this momentum. We need action. And action to me is not about being, you know, constantly just fighting over whatever the argument is, you know, like at some right. point. You have to, a solution. You have, yeah, you have to shift. You have to high call it. Be like, you know what? If this is what it's going to be as a result of this, this is what I'm now going to do. Correct. You know, it can't just constantly. There are a lot of people who are invested in in the fight, and they're invested in the fight because the fight main. Honestly, the fight for some people maintains this homeostasis of what's going on. There are people that get that get a bag. You know, and I don't see anything wrong with people getting a bag from being an activist for speaking engagements and things like that or whatever. Sure. But high caller, like it's the same thing. And Rob, you probably appreciate this this metaphor or whatever. It's the same thing with um with medicine, right? With there's no money in the cure. There's no money in the cure. But if you keep the homeostasis of the conflict going on, right? You know how you can, you can create a thousand drugs for it. Yeah. <laughs> And that's just and that's just what it is. And I think that sometimes, like I said, like people get so bogged down in the actual fight that they don't even know 
what they're fighting for. They just like, yo, we in a fight. All right, so what is it that you what is it that you hope to accomplish? Out of the fight. Are you looking to knock fight. this dude out or are you trying to go 12 rounds? Yeah, I'm, and that's I'm what I'm trying to go 12 rounds. And that's what I mean when I say like, yo, now's the time. What is it that we want? What are we trying to accomplish? What what do we want to achieve? What are we looking for out of it? Are we looking to just have a conversation? Because if we just want to have a conversation, since all this stuff started, we've been having conversations for years. Forever. And of those conversations are falling on deaf ears. You know, are we looking for some kind of legislation? Or uh, so by, so some by, kind of, like, some what? Go ahead. So within, within another couple of years, it would be like 60 years, y'all. Today, today, today is actually an anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in the March on Washington. Right? Right. And we and we're looking where we are. Jacob yeah. Blake. Jacob Blake. Yeah. That that we we that 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 period of sixty years should be in a capsule. And we should right. use that and build from that and learn from that. But not just from the sixty years. Take it back to Jim Crow and I said take it all the way back to uh, uh, Black Wall Street. And Black Wall Street wasn't the only Black Wall Street. It's just that mm-hmm. it's not highlighted. Harlem mm-hmm. Renaissance, when you know all all the actors and artists came together in that plight. Yeah. You know I mean, there, there there are enough scenarios and enough situations that we can learn from history where we can galvanize and pull our resources and our minds and our intellect together to start any forest fire we want. Mm-hmm. I don't care where we are on this planet. We're the majority of the planet. We might be the minority here in America. But we are the majority on the planet. And actually, too, uh, okay. you know how I say numbers is always funny? There's a lot more black people than they say that's on this planet than what they projected to be. I more. mean, we know it's a lot that's, more. That's a fact, color. bro. That, that's you not know, even a projection. That's a you, fact. You we know, you know it's a lot right. more people of color, too, just on the basis in the U.S. of people who are not going to submit to the census because they may be undocumented or for whatever other reason, you right. know? So, right. We know that, and here's another thing before you know before we end for tonight that I've always told people too. The reason why you know politicians are so adamant about building the wall also is because the Latino influx of Latinos coming in, eventually Latinos will be the majority. The same way, if you think back in history, right? Think about the history of this country. In order to be considered white, you had to be what white Anglo-Saxon, and then you know after because it was a time where if you was you know, if you were uh, Italian, if you were Jewish, Irish, Irish, you know, right. you were cast out. But as more and more immigrants started coming in, white Anglo-Saxons right. realized that we lose a hold of the majority. So now there has to be inclusion to bring them in the mix to make the high call it the white, to make white more of a majority. And that's okay. going to continue, continue. That's going to continue to happen unless we actually look at this closely and do something about it. But so, again, if, so if you're from Montserrat, if you're from Jamaica, if you're from St. Croix, eventually you look like mine, homeboy, let's get this work, son. Yo, All right? Stop acting yo, funny. Stop acting funny, son. Yo, the same people that, that give Mexicans heat, at, you know what, 40 or 50 years from now, Mexicans may be considered white people if it means maintaining the majority. If it means maintaining the majority. And as we go back, just to circle back a little bit and talk about the whole piece around what we have going on, our infighting and everything, our infighting and the conditions that we have are not by chance. The infighting was created 
by the dynamic of everything that exists. We've been put in a position to have the infighting that we have, you know? And that's not to dump all the blame at the feet of other people, but our circumstances have dictated some of that because, because right. we have this internal racial inferiority that was created by racism that put us in that position where now we looking at each other as competition. You know, Rob's not my brother. Rob's my competition. You know, trust me. And, and, I, and I got a situation like that now where someone's looking at me like they, they I, I can feel it. I'm like, yo, I'm not even competing against you, homie. Yeah. Zane, you had a good post on, on Instagram for those who haven't um are not following Zane only one on one on Instagram where you was talking about basically broke down the crabs in the barrel mentality, mm -hmm. right? Where you'll have something that you selling for a dollar and that because you That's won't get somebody for dope. 50 cent, they'll go buy yeah. it from somebody else for $3. For $3. That, 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 that was dope. That yeah, was dope that right there. Everything that's going on in our community. But we've been yeah. conditioned. We've been conditioned and we've been subjected for things that for so long have put us in that position and led to our train of thought going in a direction like that. For those that are in the chat too, can you hit the like button? Hit the like button, please. I, I think like I, I think I think that mess, I like how that message where it said if I was selling water for a dollar, you'll go buy it for somebody for three, but you wouldn't buy it for me because I ain't sell it to you for fifty cents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah. that right there, yeah. son. Yeah, Yo, son, man. go get some money. Put that on the billboard off of eighty four right now. Go put that on six eighty four, yeah. son. Go yeah. put that on two eighty five over there, America. That's, that's why I was saying ultimately we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta conquer ourselves internally before we even think of something on a greater magnitude but at the sure. same time but at the same time we are the greater magnitude we looking on outside sources with the racism and all that other stuff that's a lesser magnitude that's a lesser magnitude because you know why black people are originally <laughs> women and men so of once course. we conquer ourselves everything else will be prosperous it'll be a snowball effect but we got to conquer our too Talk yeah. that talk, see, talk yeah. that talk, brother. Of course. We, we, you know, we, we've, we, in theory, were free from the shackles, but the mental shackles. Yeah. This like that, what, what's that song Kanye had several years ago? Something, something slaves, what was it called? New slaves? New slaves, man. It's hard for me, Zane. I'm, I'm, a, I'm. It's hard for me to take at this point anything that Kanye West says. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying. Know, know, we, I'm just, we, I'm just giving a, giving a piggyback. Like you know, it, it, it's like you know, mental slaves. We get your point, man. We get your point, bro. We get your point. Willie Lynch Yo. economics. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. My, 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 my brother D in, in, in the back, in the background talking about. The Jim Crow is still active. It's embedded in the institution. It's exactly. the advertisers of the media conglomerates. Media still has us, you know, doing chicken commercials, of course. <laughs> of all, just think about that for a second. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's so, there's so much. Like you said, we chasing the carrot, and we don't even know why we chasing the carrot. What's passing us by? Because we so, we got, we got the, the we, we're so focused on the carrot. Yeah, and that carrot is just leading us pretty much off the goddamn cliff. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a good point that Ken says. Self improvement is a longer term goal. The short term goal is to at least not have to worry about public safety. It's a fact. It's like you know, Facts, think about it, yo, how you go. How can you go to school and learn if you're hungry? 
right? So we talking about elevation, but it's hard to elevate when they got their foot on your damn neck or <laughs> whatever. Like even your mental your ass can't breathe, right? Yeah, when you when you up against everything, everything in the world. Like here's another thing that I say to people, and people bug out. Like yo, how could that be possible? When I start when I start talking about race to people, and I say like yo, you know, the way the way I feel and the way I view it is that racism. You know, black people can't be racist. Black people could be prejudiced, but race implies power. And what power do black people really have to impose our will on people, right? So there's not a person walking the face of the earth that doesn't have some type of prejudice or bias. You know, you that's can- That's natural. That's yeah. prejudging. Exactly, yeah. I think, I, think, I, think, I think us as a people have a lot more power than we know, but you got oh, distractions. Of course. You got distractions that you know, you got fear mongering that's on the news. That's the issue. Being, being, being that, being that we're people of high melanin, when you have fear, like people that's like avid news watchers, when you watch fear and they got the fear mongering and all that, that actually like decreases your actual frequency as far as like strength. Lowers you your vibration. Yeah. Right. And we lost. And we also people people of the sun, technically. So you have we Superman. Got, we got we got we got save them jewels for another show. You be going into something else, brother. We got we there's a show there's a show for that, Zeke. Yeah, I, trust yeah. me. There's right. a show there's a show yeah. for that, yeah. brother. Yo, all is all the knowledge that's dropping is all that stuff is not yo, that stuff is not by coincidence and not by chance. Like that stuff has been set up for a reason. All of that stuff has been set up for a reason. I know we veered off course in terms of um Jacob Blake, but it's, I think it's that, the passion, man. We yeah, and it pros, man. so much, so much to unpack with it, you know. And it now leaves us all with another story to have to explain to you know to to our children right. and to the young ones underneath us that are coming up and they're really living this. Like all this stuff, when I think about it, it makes me think about the stories that I've heard from elders about what they had to endure when they were growing up. I'm like, damn, that was man. 40, 50 years ago that they was, that you know. They still, they, they still talk about right. Emmett Till. They still yeah. talk about Emmett Till, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. We went, when we went down to, and Zane, you down there, I'm sure you probably been to the, um, the African American Museum, right? In DC. I haven't been, haven't, I haven't been there yet, unfortunately. I haven't oh, been man. there yet. Well, when you, you were, in, you was down in Maryland, you, you remember Freddie Gray and what they did yeah. to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Have was, you, um, Rob, have we, you guys been to the museum yet? No, I haven't. Yo, that I went now, now. Now speaking of Baltimore, I went to the uh, what's my man name? The first, the first black billionaire, uh, Robert Smith. No, no. I went to the Reginald Lewis. Oh, uh, oh Reginald Lewis, out, out in Baltimore. Off yeah. of pressure. Whole lot, whole lot of gems in there, bro. The well, Reginald Lewis Museum out in Baltimore. Yes, Love sir. It. Let me tell you, if y'all get a chance, go 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 to that that uh, go go to that museum and just look at. The, the the history the pain that you live that you leave you know like it, it's just the, the emotional response to it as you go because they have it set up floor by floor you know and when, as you get to the top is I guess supposed to be like the ascension of um of black people and on the top floor you see like the entertainers and all that and it's to me it's even interesting like we've you know for us to think that we've ascended and our ascension is that we're entertainers and that's why i said like he's talking earlier about michael jordan and all these people speaking out like yo no disrespect michael jordan my favorite ball player him and alan iverson all time but michael jordan is not the person that i want speaking right. scholarly for me like i'll take a michael eric dyson 
or Cornell West over yeah. Michael Jordan. But in our minds, the entertainers have ascended. They have this platform and this voice. So these are these are our heroes and the people that we look to for the elevation that we keep talking about. That they just they may not necessarily have it in them. That's why right. to me, bro. Uh, Rob and Shannon, one of my favorite movies in the past couple years was that movie Get Out. That 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 movie had layer upon layer of jewels of, mm-hmm. of stuff that's gonna that, that 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 transcends and resonates with what's going on right now. And like you said, when we become 80, 90 years old down the line, that movie is still gonna It's gonna resonate, man. Yeah, it's gonna resonate, man. It's gonna resonate high. And yeah. you know, I, I just I just pray, and this is my prayer that everyone that's listening here man that we help change the paradigm and the thinking of ourselves and then yeah. instill that in our children so that they can take the baton from what we give them based on what we know our mm-hmm. history you know what i mean because they're, they're not going to pay attention to that and they sure enough ain't going to learn it from nobody else so right. it is our job to lay it out and maybe with this school situation for those mm-hmm. parents that gotta be homeschooling, this is an opportunity. This is a great opportunity for you to instill some home lessons, some lessons that these children need to know about themselves. Whether you, I don't care what nationality you are. Right. You know what I'm saying? These yeah. children need to have a foundation for themselves so they can look at themselves and feel empowered. So if they meet someone who tells them, oh, your paper grew on trees, nah, nigga. I built the fucking bridge. I ain't growing no fucking tree. I don't know what the fuck you talking about. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they can combat all of that because that's what happens. People hear it, hear it, and they see it because it's so it's been beating our heads so much. They go to the TV. It's like, damn, man. But it looks like we were hanging from trees. Hell no. Mm-hmm. We got to start cracking. We got to break myths, crack old folklore, and start giving our children the pure truth. Period. Yeah. yeah. So- so before we wrap up, or you know, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up for this evening. But I want to say this: like, uh, I have the pleasure. We, we have these conversations publicly, but I have the pleasure of interacting with these two brothers behind the scenes, and we have these conversations like these regularly. And regularly, I'm always excited when it finds itself on the screen because it makes for good content. It's good discussion, you know, as black men for us to lock in and 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 have these discussions. And, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we actually we've lined up some potentially really, really good interviews that I think that people are going to like, you know, that that I'm I'm excited for. We have some that we that I'm not going to name that are in the works that we're going to be bringing to you guys. Um, But there are two that we've already cemented that we have coming up. One that I'm going to ask Rob really to share really quick about. And then um, Zane, the one that we locked down today, I'll have you talk a little bit uh, a little bit about for um the viewers so go ahead rob for next oh friday. yes next friday we got oh uh it's not okay it's oko farms mm-hmm. it's a sister out of brooklyn this sister's phenomenal man she has started a farm an aquaponic farm and the thing about it in brooklyn the farms are on the roof so she's utilized all of that space on the roof which no one uses except for maybe an hvac system <laughs> and she started an entire farm. She has a total business up there. I believe she has a farmer's market as well. I think that's a great, I, I'm waiting, I can't wait for that interview because right along with what we're talking about, agriculture was a big proponent of how we lived. Mm-hmm. We lived off the land. 
You know what I'm saying? And like I said to Zane, we'll have those conversations and, and, and other shows about what we were just talking about. Land is a strong proponent of who we are. We need to know about gardening. We need to know about good health and eating clean. Because you know with this pandemic, the way it's going, ginger is at a high rate because ginger is a great tool or a great a great uh natural remedy when dealing with your immune system and your lungs. So all that being said, this is, this is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to gardening, knowing how to garden, how to pick your fruit, whatever the case is, we're gonna pick her brain, and I think that's gonna be a good show. Nice. And Rob, once once again, uh do you know her, her Instagram off top? Okay, old farm. It's Oko Oko Farms, but I say Oko Farm. It's Oko Farm. Oko F A R M S. Yes, sir. Everybody that's tuning in now and later, check her out. Go ahead, Shana. The one that you, the one that we um, you like for Monday. Oh, Monday. Let me say this thing before you go. Monday we're going to be recording it, but it's going to air. At a later date, right. So, right. right. Uh, yes. Um, today, uh, we had we had uh locked down the actual interview for, for DJ EFN from uh, I'm sure a lot of people know about Drink Champs. Uh, DJ EFN is the co host and co owner of uh Drink Champs podcast with uh Noriega from Capona Noriega. So shout out to Jay Havana, shout out to DJ EFN. Those that don't know DJ EFN's uh, Instagram, it's Who's Crazy, W H O S C R A Z Y. Nice. So, so we definitely look forward to that interview. Also, again, uh, you know, No Ideas Original Podcast. We're committed to continuing to bring you guys good content, good discussion, variety of discussions on our platform from educational. Mm-hmm to um to entertainment to sports just trying to bring you all something different like comment subscribe and we'll catch you guys on the next episode peace everybody. peace, peace.